Much of life is filled with problems and those are tests. We can fearlessly face our tests when we understand and know the promise that God's grace is sufficient for us. And let's that, let that be our prayer every morning when we wake up. I titled this message, Formula for Every Test. Abraham's faith in the passage we just read in Genesis chapter 22 was being tested. And we have tests of faith also in our lives. And wouldn't it be nice to have a formula for the problems we have in life? Like in, physics, like in physics class. Uh, for me personally, in high school, my favorite class was physics. Not socials, not history, not chemistry, not mathematics, it was physics. Reason being, every time our teacher would give us problems, whether it was big or whether it was small, all you had to do was apply the formula and then you got the answer. To me, it was so simple. And as long as I applied formulas to the problems, it took care of the issue. Now, often life has many problems. It's part of the package. In the 1950s, a man named Frank took a job from the government. They were in charge of maintenance at a very large facility. Frank oversaw a small crew of maintenance workers, and the thing is, the maintenance at this facility required maintenance of a ton of wires and a ton of pipelines. And it was a mess. And this discouraged Frank a lot because of the job that it felt just overwhelming. Well, Frank had a friend who owned a successful plumbing and heating company. So the friend sat in his office as a customer was on the phone with him. And Frank, he happened to come by the office to ask for some counseling and advice on how to take care of this wiring and pipes issue. His friend, he had to leave the office, but on his way out, he just said, Frank, all it is is a little boy grown up. Now Frank, he was kind of annoyed by that answer, uh, and he just went back to his new job, and he started, to, started thinking about what his friend had just said. So Frank started to draw each part of the machinery, each part of the pipes and wiring, piece by piece. And sooner or later, he was starting to understand how the whole system worked. But he first had to start with the tiny problem, and he worked his way to the bigger ones. That big and confusing problem was just a little boy, all grown up. Every big problem is just a compilation of smaller problems. And life does have many problems. But God gives us formulas to tackle them piece by piece. When we look at the life of Abraham, especially in this story, we learn that there is a formula to facing our tests. And understanding that formula and applying it will begin us to live a joyful Christian life. A life that's filled with the Spirit and pleasing to the Lord. But before we tackle this, let's begin with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for everyone that is here. I thank you for air conditioning and just the fact that we can enjoy a, a sermon Sunday, on a Sunday morning. 
I thank you, Lord, for everyone that is also watching online and for a steady stream of internet. But I just pray, Father, that now you would take a hold of our hearts. Help us to understand what the formula is that we can apply in our lives to get, uh, to get over our tests, to face life. Lord, I just pray that you would speak through me now and the Holy Spirit would take over. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to everyone's heart here and help them to apply it in one way or another. And we just praise and thank you and would want to glorify you in everything we say and we do, Lord. We thank you and praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first part of the formula is, number one, obedience. Now Abraham, he showed his first sign of faith through obedience. Now kids in super church, they sing it a lot. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands, doing it happily. Action is the key to immediately joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Now going back to our verses here, 2 and 3, we have something stunning. God says, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Let me just give you a little bit of context, a little bit of a backstory here about Abraham. Abraham, God had called Abraham to come out of a land called Ur, which was in the region called the Chaldees. Now, the Chaldeans, the region that they are talking about is today in modern-day Iraq. God had called Abraham at the age of 75 with his, older, with his old wife and a few servants. They all followed him to a land called Canaan, which today we know as Israel. God made a promise to Abraham as well that God would give Abraham land, that Abraham would have many descendants as the stars in the sky, and that he would be the channel from which the whole world would be blessed. But the huge problem was, God made this promise to Abraham, but his wife, Sarah, was barren to begin with. She couldn't conceive. And she was way past now the age that a woman can conceive a child. So Abraham, as the story goes, he had a lapse of faith. His wife decided, you know, let's help God with the promise. Let, I'll let you hook up with my servant and we'll have a child through her instead. That was not God's plan. God wanted to make sure that the child comes out of Sarah. And so, as God plans, uh, God's plan went on, God kept reassuring Abraham that a son will come specifically from Sarah. Finally, Abraham was 100 years old. His wife was 90, and they conceived. Isaac was born. And that's 25 years after God had called Abraham out of the earth of the Chaldees. Now, at this point in our story that we're reading, Isaac was perhaps 25 years old. So what does that make Abraham? 125, give or take. 
So Isaac was at the prime of his life. Most athletes, at 25, that's when you want to bid on him, you know. <laughs> no. But God said in verse 2, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Can you see something happening in Abraham's heart? Can you imagine 50 years now since God had called him out of Ur of the Chaldees and God decides to say, sacrifice him? The one and only child that I got that was going to propagate the next part of the promise you made to me, you want me to sacrifice him? You can imagine that how the heart of this 125-year-old man sunk when he heard that. You can imagine how he was quivering in sadness as he had to tell Isaac, hey, load up the donkey. Load up some wood on this donkey. And he probably readied an oil lamp or perhaps some burning coals because he had to make it a burnt offering. And he had to go up this mountain with Isaac. Can you imagine how the father must have felt? This was the son that was to carry out Abraham's legacy after Abraham passes. This was the one and only son that Abraham had according to God's will. But, look at verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. How could Abraham have done that? How was it possible? Now, if you don't know the rest of the story, of course, God does stop Abraham midway through the sacrifice. Just in time before Abraham sacrifices Isaac, Isaac gets spared. But it shows us a man. This man, Abraham, had full trust in God. Abraham trusted God with all his heart. Now, keep your finger in Genesis 22. Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 17 to 19 shows us something about Abraham, something that was happening in his heart. It's giving us a little more of a deeper understanding of what was actually going through his heart. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure." Now turn back to Genesis 22. This verse is essentially saying that, hypothetically speaking, even if Abraham were to go through with the sacrifice, even if that knife were to go through Isaac, Abraham fully trusted in God that God would fulfill the promises that he would have descendants. Even to the point where Abraham was basically saying, you know what? 
if God promised that I'm going to have children after Isaac, maybe God is going to bring him back from the dead. He left it up to God. He trusted God with the results. In other words, if the sacrifice took place, God could easily bring back Isaac from the dead. It's not, it's not against what God can do. And in Genesis 22, verse 5, we have something else that Abraham says. And Abraham said unto his young men, those were those servants that came with him, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Did you catch that? And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. So somewhere deep down in Abraham's heart, he had an understanding that somehow, in some way, he's coming back down with the lad. He was aware that he can trust in God fully. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a lesson to be learned here. The first piece of our formula is just obey God. Just obey Him. There are a lot of areas that God asks us to obey Him in. In the area of our finances. There are the areas of our children. There are the areas of our education. There is the area of whether or not our decisions should be to read our Bible in the morning or in the evening. There's the area of, should I be praying before I make a decision? Every day, there are ethical choices. There are dilemmas that require the wisdom of God just by obeying Him. God asks us to still trust Him in every situation. There are more and more areas in life where principles that get applied every, every day in our daily lives that God is interested in. And part of fixing any problem is actually understanding this first part of the formula. Trust God. I'm like, okay, Pastor David, that's it's really easy to say, but it's really hard to do. I know. I know. I know it's very hard to do. But the second part of the formula will help you with it. Here's the second part of the formula, the fellowship. Number two, fellowship. And this, we're going to look at Isaac. So when you're back to Genesis chapter 22 here, look at Isaac's life. Isaac, he was surrounded by faithful people. His whole life, Isaac grew up with faithful people who followed God. Genesis 22, verse 7 to 9 is what I will be reading here. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Think with me just for a moment. Don't you think, I had mentioned that Isaac was now at the prime of his life. He's 25. And how old was his dad? 125. Okay? 125. How strong do you think a 125-year-old man is compared to a 25-year-old? Yeah? So... Doesn't it kind of help you understand that maybe Isaac clued in 
wait, there's no animal that we're bringing to sacrifice. Doesn't it seem kind of natural to start thinking, Dad, is it going to be you or me that's going to get sacrificed? Right? At this point, you could see that Abraham started binding Isaac to put him on the altar. By the time his dad went the first round, don't you think Isaac would have been like, okay, no, no, none of this. I don't want any of this. No. Or what about the second round? He could have easily undone the ropes. What we see is that Isaac, though he was at the prime of his life, Isaac still understood that he was about to worship God. Can you imagine once again that as Abraham, with his little strength of a 125-year-old man trying to muster up the strength to try and bind a 25-year-old guy who was at the prime of his life, I would like to suggest that Isaac was willing to go through with the whole thing. He was willing to give himself. Because if you read your whole Bible through, what we realize also is Isaac is actually a picture of Jesus Christ. Isaac, just like Christ, took up his wood and went up the mount to give himself a ransom, to give himself as a sacrifice. Now, Isaac is not Christ, but Isaac was willing because Isaac was surrounded with godly people. See, Isaac's whole life must have been filled with many stories of God's faithfulness from his father. His dad must have told him all the different tales that had taken place where God had shown his miraculous power when he, ta- when he brought down Sodom and Gomorrah. He must have talked to him about it. Abraham spoke with God and the two angels in a tent. He must have told all the stories to Isaac. Sarah must have told, her, told him about, uh, about how God has been faithful how she conceived at the age of 90. And even the servants, I am sure, talked about the different stories about how God had been faithful. And it was such a great testimony that was because in the end, you see, Isaac was totally willing to give himself. This is something everyone needs to do, to surround ourselves with godly people and godly influences. Surrounding ourselves with godly people and godly influences. God is not going to ask us to sacrifice ourselves on the altar. This is the one and only time. But Christians, it's our reasonable service to give ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. Romans 12, 1 and 2, it's been talked about many times, but here's, here's what it says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now the second part says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We go out into the world and we're surrounded by the world for over 120 hours in a week. And then there is that one hour we come to church in the morning on a Sunday or maybe there's one more hour where we come to church on the Sunday evening. And perhaps there's one more hour where we come to church on a Wednesday service. But that's three hours versus 120 hours of godly influence. Right? 
Folks, I want to encourage you to get more involved in church. Surround yourselves. Get dug in to serve God, to have a life stirred by the gospel. There are so many activities that are there just to make you closer to God. And I just want to point this out. We're in the summer. Summer gets crazy in our church. Okay, there are so many activities. If you look at our church calendar, there are so many activities that you could be a part of. I want to encourage you, dig yourself in and be a part of it. Be a part of those different activities so you can draw closer to God. Isaac was willing to just give everything he had to God because that was the most natural thing. That's, what, that's everything he's ever known. He had surrounded himself with people who wanted to do just the same thing. What if we did the same as Isaac and surrounded ourselves with godly influences? The second part of this formula, which will help with the first part, is surround yourself with godly influences. Surround yourself with Christians who want to serve God. All right? And this is the third part of the formula. We're about to get to the end. Third part of the formula is grace. God's grace. Abraham also was sure that when God asks for something to be done, he will also provide for it. Look at verse 8. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. The necessity was that God be worshipped in our story. God be worshipped. And that Isaac would be the sacrifice. But let's be honest. It's not like God didn't know that Abraham was willing to do what he did. It wasn't like God didn't know that Isaac was willing to give himself. The whole test was for both Abraham and Isaac's sake. God knows everything. God knew. Because even in this test, God intervened in the end. There is a quote by Billy Graham that once said, The will of God will not take us where the grace of God cannot sustain us. Much of life is filled with problems and those are tests. We can fearlessly face our tests when we understand and know the promise that God's grace is sufficient for us. Take a look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, it says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. God's grace is sufficient for every test. We can be glad that when we feel weaknesses, when facing our fears, when we feel the pain from doing the right thing, 
when we have been betrayed, when our heart is aching, when we serve God in inconvenient ways, or do something that hurts, God will follow through and provide grace to do it. In our story, because Abraham went through with the test, God provided a ram that got stuck in a thicket. That's how the story ends. God's God's grace came through for Abraham. In our trials and tests, when we ought to do good and follow through, God will provide strength to do it. When a difficult decision needs to be made and there is a choice to make, the right or the wrong decision, God will give you wisdom. When you have to be patient for something that you are waiting on, God will give you the necessary grace to wait. So the final part of this formula is let God do his part. Let God do his part in your trials and tests. God is more than capable of holding his end of the bargain. So I'll conclude here. God wants us to have our victories in our trials, in our tests. He wants us to be able to face our tests. And as big as our trials and tests can get, remember that every big problem is just a small problem, all grown up. So, to recap our formula, number one, just obey God. Seek to do God's will by faith. And number two, surround yourself with godly people by getting involved in church is the best way to do that. And then number three, let God do the rest by giving you grace to follow His will. And this is the formula to live a life of joy, meaning a life filled by the Spirit. Abraham and Isaac, they teach us that obedience and the good crowd help us face our tests and trials. When we obey God and surround ourselves in the right crowd, God will give us grace to face our tests and trials of life. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.